0: Hello and welcome to Reliance's podcast. We hope that the message encourages your heart today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet weekly on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30 or 11 o'clock a.m. And if you want to find out more about Reliance, come check us out online. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your heart. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you, Holy Spirit. The greatest thing that will happen today is you lead this whole bunch of people because you deeply love them. And so, Holy Spirit, we just, we just, we give you the space to run the way that you wanna run. Change our, change our tune, God, to your tune. That's what we're after. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you that you're bringing us together more, more than just, um, yeah, more than just people that are maybe are strangers, don't know each other. You're bringing us together as family to hear the heart of the Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Anybody, are you here because you thought it was the 11 service? You forgot to do your clock? Anybody? Yeah? <laughs> Because Jacob Hall, where's Jacob Hall at? <laughs> Jacob Hall came in at 5.30 this morning. I love that. He was not happy. I was loving it. Anyways, that's another deal. Um, man, I, I, I had uh, this whole month kind of planned out uh, for, for November. I wanted to talk to all things Thanksgiving-ish. You guys know what I'm talking about. Gratitude, thankfulness, all those things. And we're going to get there. Uh, but um, on Thursday morning, I was ready to roll, we were going to talk family and, and some different things, and on Thursday morning, I couldn't shake uh, some conversations that I'd had during the week with some different men and women at our house church, uh, we're studying the book of, of uh, uh, Genesis, and we're reading the story of Joseph, and I couldn't shake different things that I've been talking with, with people, that this is just a really intense season of waiting for some people. They're just in a season of waiting. Um, it's an intense season of trying to make sense of things in life, trying to make sense of the world and the craziness of the world, um, trying to make sense of trials they're walking through. Anybody feel any weight in that at all? All right, good. So a handful of you guys. And so, any like I'm ready to roll on Sunday and then the Lord begins to stir something, I'm like, you're going to change it, aren't you? And Thursday morning, man, I just kind of scrapped where we were going and I felt like the Lord had put... I felt like the Lord had put this word um, on my heart um, to talk about God's incubator of love. Is that on there? Can you show that? God's incubator of love um, is the season of waiting that we're in. That actually what we're going through is an incubation. I'm going to talk about that. It's an incubation period where he's getting our heart prepared for things ahead. Amen? And so I want to I talk about that. Um, does anybody ever uh, feel like you don't understand God's ways? <laughs> Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Man, I, I don't know if there is anybody in this room who has, who would say, man, I've never gone through a season of waiting. I have never gone through a season of trial. I want to meet you, because you're probably five years old, never been married or single, and never paid a bill in your life. (laughs) I'm just telling you, that's probably who you are, Um, or you're not human, one of those two, right? Um. We've all been in seasons of waiting. We we've all been in seasons of, of trial and struggle. We've we've all been in seasons of trying to trying to figure out why things are the way that they are. And I'm guessing if you're in a season of waiting right now and you're in here, maybe it's a season of waiting because of what's going on around the world right now and you feel tension in your heart and you're caught up in the madness of it and those things. Maybe you're in a season of waiting for things that you've longed for, uh, restoration in relationship or job promotion or um, trying to figure out what's going on in your life, just where you're going, what your purpose is. I hear people saying this all the time, I just feel like I have a purpose right now. And so whatever your season of waiting is, I feel like this is a word for you this morning. And I hope to give you a different perspective that right now what you're actually in is a beautiful place. And I want to give you a perspective of of hope today, and that's my goal, is that in this season of waiting, what God is doing for some, even in this difficult moment, what God is doing, even in this difficult season, is going to give you a perspective from his vantage point, it's going to be for his glory and your good. It's gonna be for his glory and your good. And here's a common thread that we read about all through scripture, and this is what it is. When times get difficult and times get tough and when we're in a season of waiting that we are supposed to set our gaze on one thing, what is that? On Christ. To set our gaze, to fix our eyes on Christ. And that's really what this season is. It's to get our eyes fixed on Jesus. In fact, um, if anybody knew about waiting, it was Job, amen? Amen. Job season of waiting in a season of trial. They were like connected together, and here's what Job says in Job five seven: As surely as sparks fly up from a fire, so a man is born for adversity. He is born for trouble. So that's awesome, right? <laughs> so just so you know, it's nothing new. Job said this. He's like, so man is born for adversity. Man is man is born for trouble. I mean it's coming. No matter what, it's going to be there in your life. And so it's always not a question of how to get out of the trouble, it's how do we process in it. It's always a question of not how to get out of the waiting, it's how do I process in the waiting. This is really what it comes down to when we read scripture. And I can think sometimes as we live, sometimes as we live we always kind of have this mindset, if I can just get through this one trial, life's going to be so much better. Anybody said that? If I can just get over this one hump, this one trial, life is going to be so much easier. And I'm just telling you right now, you can get over one trial and what comes over the hill. Another trial and another thing. And so what we see is it never really fully feels like it gets easier. I used to uh, lead college ministry years ago, lead a lot of college students. And it reminded me, a lot of these young uh, kids, I call them kids, a lot of these young kids are getting married. We've been going to these different weddings. And I remember leading college ministry and I would hear these college kids go, man, if I could just find a spouse and get married, all of my problems would go away. And I'm like, you fool. You fool. It's blissful. Amen. It's wonderful, but doesn't mean your trials are going away. Somebody say amen. amen. My wife's in next service. Don't worry about it. All right? <laughs> like this is the this is the thought. If I can just find that special person, if I can just land on that that one job, if I can just get over that one thing, life's going to be easier. But that's not what Job says. Job says like our days ahead. Jesus says do, right? There's trouble coming. And so how do we navigate in that? And I just really feel like this word, that God is actually in these seasons of waiting and in these seasons of trust, he's putting an incubator of his love around us. Um, he loves us and that's why he's doing it. And so just an incubator, if you know what an incubator is, it's something you can put eggs, for instance, in or, or, or animals in. It's got, it's got a heat that's monitored and an environment that's controlled. So it's got heat and a controlled environment to produce the greatest growth, to produce something that is trying to grow um, inside of that thing. And so when you think about your trials and you think about your seasons of waiting as an incubator, God has got some heat on you and an environment that he is controlling to do something in you, amen, to do something in you. And so... Um, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and I just want to I want to give you a snapshot of how the Lord has put people from Old Testament all the way through New Testament into these incubators of his love to get his promises from their life to to produce what he gave them as promises in their life to get them produced. So, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, what you're going to see is it's a snapshot of what was happening in the book of Exodus, right? So Moses is gonna come in and, and lead the people out. And so you're seeing this kind of deep snapshot in, in Deuteronomy of these moments. And man, I, I'm just, I told you, I don't always understand the Lord's ways. I just don't. And so here's what I'm seeing in this Deuteronomy. The Lord brings them out of 400, the Israelites out of 400 years of captivity to bring them into 40 years wandering around the desert. Like Why? Why bring them out of captivity for 400 years to wander in a desert for 40 years? I don't understand your ways, God. And then He's like, "I want to show you something deeper that I'm doing in that season of waiting for them." And so here's what He says, uh, Deuteronomy 8: The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and every say multiply. That's going to be important. That you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Who led them in the wilderness? The Lord. So the Lord led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you. Testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger, and then he fed you with manna. Listen to this, this is important. Which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you known that man does not live on bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out, and your foot did not swell for 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord disciplines you now just i want to share this with you what good would have been so here's what he's saying what good would have been if i brought you out of slavery if i brought you out of 400 years of captivity and i got you set free and you have a jacked up heart and you don't follow me anyways why would i set you free so that you'll run into some other kind of darkness so the lord's going I love you so much that I'm going to see really what's in your heart to see if all you wanted was delivered or if you really wanted my heart. Did you want my hand or did you want my heart? Which one did you want? And so the Lord goes, I'm going to bring you out. We're going to humble you. And then here's what, we're going to test what's in your heart. And then here's what we're going to see. I'm going to let you kind of get that hunger pain. And then I'm going to feed you. And I'm going to show you that provisions found in me, not yourself. And then I'm going to give you some clothes and I'm going to show you, it's going to blow your mind, you're going to wander for 40 years and your clothes are never going to wear out. And you're going to walk, you're going to be nomads. You're going to plant and then uproot and plant and uproot and plant and uproot in this wilderness and your feet are never going to swell. Some of you are like, yes, amen. Amen. He's going, I want to show you that you'll never find provision, you'll never find any of that stuff outside of me, and I want to root that in your heart, and so I'm going to put you in an incubator of my love for these 40 years. Now, here's here's what he says at the end. Know then in your heart, know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord disciplines you. Now, Paul's gonna say this word discipline in another uh, a place in the New Testament in, in 1 Corinthians nine twenty six When he's talking about running the race for Jesus, he says, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. These are two different ways of discipline that we're reading in scripture, but both of them are found in this incubator of God's love when we're waiting and when we're in trials. There are two different forms. One of those forms of discipline that Paul was talking about, it's a discipline like I get up really early to go to the gym. I get up at four o'clock and I go and work out and I exercise and I eat right because I know that that discipline is going to do something good for my life. That's a form of discipline, amen? Amen. Then you've got another form of discipline which Deuteronomy 8 was speaking about where he's saying this kind of discipline. If you go too far to the left or too far to the right away from me, I'm going to give you a whooping, right? And I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to bring you back because if you stray to the left or if you stray to the right too far, you're going to fall off the rails, So I want to get your heart back in alignment. And so when that discipline like that comes, what he's saying is it's actually better for your life. It's going to keep you in relationship with me, which is going to be far better for you. So it's two forms of discipline that we're seeing. And so what we're actually seeing in this Deuteronomy 8 is that everything that the Lord does is to make sure that our heart is with him. And you'll see this throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. We, we've read these scriptures. It's always about the heart. Always. Always about the heart. He says it in the Old Testament. My, my people honor me with their lips. Yeah, yeah, Jesus, set us free. Set us free. If you set us free, Lord, if you set us free, God, if you set us free, we will follow you. My people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. What good would it have been had they been set free to then go after their own ways? It would have been destructive for them. So this is what, this is what he's after. And the New Testament talks about the heart. So let me just do just some historical work on this for just a minute. So for 400 years of captivity, the people of God cried out for the Lord in their waiting and wanted deliverance. And here the Lord's going, you want deliverance, I want your heart, let's find out what's happening. And so quickly we find out in the first few chapters of Exodus and when we get into Deuteronomy that when the people got their deliverance, we saw what was truly in their hearts, Because here's what happened in the first couple of weeks of coming out of captivity. Here's what we saw happen. They complained against the Lord. They grumbled against the Lord. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They were a bunch of crybabies. Amen. They railed against the Lord because they didn't get their way. They railed against the Lord because they didn't like his way, so much so that at the core, what really came out of them was this pivotal moment where Moses is going to speak with the Lord, and they go, you know what? Let's make another God to follow, and they make a golden calf. Do you guys remember that story? So here's what really came out of their hearts when they came out of slavery. What really came out of their hearts when they came out of slavery is all of the idolatry and other lovers that they had. Now imagine that the Lord would have just let them keep those and be like, hey, I'm going to bring you out, put you in the promised land, and you live with your lovers and your idolatrous ways. Would that have gone well for them? No, because he loves them, church. He cares so deeply about him in the same way that he cares deeply about you, that he's not going to let your heart keep that idolatry or keep those other lovers, because if he didn't love you, he'd let you keep them, but he loves you. And so <clears throat> he's like, I'm going to pull you out. into the wilderness, and I'm gonna find out what is really in your heart and what comes out of them. We just said it, complaining, grumbling, golden calves, idolatry, other lovers. And so what happens is they get their freedom only to realize their hearts are jacked up. I just wonder how many of us in this season of waiting on the Lord, we've got our freedoms and we've got those things, and the Lord's going, ah, you feel like you're running free, but your heart's got some things so if I let you run and just run and just run, those things, those are lovers, that idolatry, those things, in your heart is just going to continue to multiply. Amen? Amen? Okay, so let's keep going. So hold, hold that, that thought in your head, okay? So, so he's bringing them out to find that stuff out. Now why is this important? How is this an incubator uh, of God's love? So in the story of Joseph, let, let's rewind for just a minute. In the story of Joseph, we're, we're reading this in our house church. Um, God uh, is going to give this young man Joseph some dreams, So he's a boy and he's got brothers and God gives Joseph these dreams and some of these dreams are like hey you're gonna be like this big tall wheat right that's standing up strong and all of your brothers and your father are like little wheat and they're bowing to you that doesn't go well if you have brothers that doesn't go well amen And so Joseph is like, he's super excited. He's young. God's given him some vision. He's got these dreams. So Joseph, in that youngness and in that maturity, hadn't yet been prepared. He goes and shares that with his brothers and his father. doesn't go well. doesn't go well. And so what happens is his brothers plot against him. He has no idea. All he knows is he sees a picture, but he doesn't get to see the whole picture. And so his brothers throw him in a pit, they said they're going to kill him, they didn't, they sold him into slavery, he goes to Egypt, you know the story, if you've ever read it, it's up and down for his life, it's, he's falsely accused, and da, 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 da. Wind, winds up in prison for years, 13 years, whatever it is, winds up in prison, and then finally God gives him an opportunity to interpret a dream of Pharaoh, gets put in second in position of all of Egypt. And if you've read the story, you'll see he's second in highest command, and there's a severe famine. And everybody in the land, it says the whole world, came to Egypt and to Joseph to get fed. So here's Joseph, young boy, doesn't understand all of God's picture, doesn't see it all, just sees a small glimpse of it comes to a place of his up-and-down trials, and in those years of prison, and in those years, he's developing as a man who's going, if I could get to that position, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wreck my brothers. If I could get to that position, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make sure that everyone who ever did something to me, I'm going to destroy them. That's not what he did. In those years of being in that incubator of God's love, he learned to trust his Father. He learned to love God. He learned to love God's character. It became about God's heart now and not Joseph's heart. So that when he got to that position, and when he took over that second highest in the land, Joseph saw people through the eyes of God now and not his own eyes. His perspective changed. And it was in that incubation of God's love that Joseph would allow his brothers to come into the land. Now, that's a big deal. I'm gonna share that in just a moment. Genesis 50, 20, this is what it says in verse, uh, let me read 19 first. But Joseph said to his brothers, Don't be afraid, am I in the place of God? Do you see what he's saying? I'm not God. I've had years where I wrestled and contended in waiting and waiting and waiting. In those years, God produced an atmosphere, an incubator of love where he loved me, he loved me, he loved me. And I've learned through all of this, I'm not in the place of God. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what? To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. There was a bigger picture at stake. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and for your children. And he reassured them, and he spoke kindly to them. And so what we see from this is the trials and the difficulty was an incubator of God's love to not only save his family, but save all the nations from severe famine. Why? Because God's plan is always bigger. Amen. So now let's tie that story in. Okay? So now... Joseph's family, because he learned in that time to love his brothers again. Joseph's family is going to come and they're going to live in Egypt. Now, at this point in time, the Hebrew nation was small. A couple hundred, maybe a hundred. It was small. And had they stayed in the lands that they were in, God had promised Abraham a promise. I'm gonna make you the father of many nations. I'm gonna expand you like the sands of the seashore. I'm gonna enlarge your territory. Had they stayed where they were at and not come into Egypt, all the surrounding peoples, they were warlike and tribal like, they would have killed them. They weren't big enough. They weren't strong enough. They were a small people. But then something happens. They come in and they're now underneath. Egypt's power. Now, because all the nations had come to Egypt to Joseph to be fed, they paid him money. God says it in scripture. He raised Egypt up to be the one of the most powerful nations on, plant, on the planet. So now God's raised Egypt up. The people of God are underneath that wing Now, fast forward even more. Joseph's dead. He's been dead for a while. His family's dead. Different generations have risen up. Different pharaohs have come. They see something happening to the people of God. The people of God are what Deuteronomy 8 said. They're multiplying. (laughs) Now this few hundred eventually is going to be a million plus strong. This once small nation that would have never been able to contend has been under the power of the largest superpower of the day. Yes, in slavery, but in an incubation of God's love, expanding. Why? Because God's perspective and purposes are always bigger. Amen? So they're in there. Now they're a million plus strong. Now God's like, now, now I'm going to have you take your promised land. Moses comes in, let my people go, God does his thing, and a million plus people exit out of Egypt, which Egypt will never be the same again after that. Their power will never be the same again. But the most fascinating part of this whole thing is that when they left the land, it said all the inhabitants of the lands surrounding them feared the Israelites and feared their God. God was going to get his promise established. Amen. This trial that they were in, this season of waiting, was an incubator of God's love for his people and his faithfulness to his promise. And this is what you see story after story after story in scripture. You see whether it's small trials or large trials, there's always an incubation period of growing and maturing even in The difficulty, you see it with David. David gets anointed king as a young boy and he spends a lot of his life on the run from King Saul. Yet in that moment of being on the run from King Saul, David is learning to trust in the Lord, to rely on the Lord. Read his Psalms. In you I place my trust. Though my enemies come against me, it's you I find as my strong tower. You read his Psalms. He's learned this intimacy with the Lord through his trial of waiting. It's the same thing with Daniel, even in the lion's den, in that moment of waiting on the Lord. Even if it was just a night, waiting on the Lord. What happens when the king runs the next day? He opens up the lion's den and he says, everybody will worship the God of Daniel. That small night of being an incubator of God's love produced an entire pagan kingdom that was declared, you need to worship the God of Daniel. God is always doing something. Even in the New Testament, Paul says in Philippians 1, 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, so he's in prison and beaten, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. My imprisonment has resulted in all of Caesar's household knowing that I'm in jail for the name of Christ, and therefore God has ruled in his sovereignty over my imprisonment and turned it for his glory and my joy. So even Paul's getting in on this action. Hey, I'm in prison in this incubator of God's love, waiting, not fully comprehending what God is doing, but this is what I've heard. Caesar's household now knows that I'm a believer. It's stirring them right now. And all the other believers are actually getting emboldened and God's getting glory and I'm getting joyful. It's a different deal. Here's the point. In every one of the seasons of waiting, even in the struggle, God was incubating something far greater. His love is always bringing us into something far greater, amen? He's placed promises in you where he's positioning you in his incubation of love so that when you get to those promises, it will be for his glory and not for yours. And so literally, it's to get our hearts back on him. And it's a love thing. Listen, he's not smiting you. I get it. I've heard people go, man, I just feel like God is warring against me. He's not smiting you. He's not coming against you. He stinking loves you. Amen? Like he loves you. He's getting your heart. 1 Corinthians 13, it's the love verse. It's the love is patient, love is kind. It's the love verse, right? And he says this in in, in 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails. Now he says in verse 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, I saw a picture, just a little glimpse. You told me something, Lord. You positioned a promise in me. You told me something. Something was going to get restored. Something was going to get made new. Something was going to change. You put a little position in me, little promise in me. and he Now you see in part, then I shall know fully, even as I've been fully known. There's coming a time where you're gonna go, Why this incubation of love? And he's gonna go, Because I love you, and you got some stuff in your heart that I'm working on, or you got some things that you're growing in, and I'm putting an environment around you for you to grow the best. And then we get to James. Who likes the book of James? James 1. Count it, consider it all joy. My brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Something, James is trying to convey something deeper. Look, if, if you read this just at face value, James doesn't say, hey, act joyous in the moment that you have trials. That's ridiculous. He didn't say act joyous in the moment that you have trials or waiting. He says consider it or count it as joy. It's a big difference. What he's saying is, you've got to calculate or consider what you're going through. You need to count what is happening to you as completely different in the lens of God through the lens that you have because he's after your heart. You see in part, he sees in whole. And all of it, all that trial, all that season that you're in right now is actually doing something that's going to glorify his name and be good for you. Let me tell you what this looks like. I've got a brother that I'm meeting with, amazing guy young guy, amazing guy, and he's been contending, in, in, in and he'll share his story someday, but he's been contending in anxiety, like gripping anxiety, and he said something to me the other day in my office, it was just so profound, he goes, man, like, I'm talking like anxiety that comes over you and just hinders you, like, you feel like you're useless, you can't do anything, and you get this anxiety hits him, and he said, Aaron, he's coming into Christ, things are happening in his life, and he said, Aaron, I now realize that had I not had that anxiety, I would have never known my need for the Lord, and I was like, here's a man who's roaring after Jesus, and this is what he's chalking it up to. I saw my anxiety, my trial, my incubator there as God doesn't love me, and nobody cares about me, and this is just meaningless, and life stinks, and I hate all of it to go Had that not happened to me, I would have never seen the love of Christ. I would have chased the things I was chasing in the world. I got another guy, called up the other day. This is the... Tragic one, he lost his son. Accident happened and he lost his son. I said, brother, how are you coping through this? And he literally said, my wife and I, the only way we're making it through this is because of our faith in Christ. And I said, so how, like, what, what, do, you, what do you process? And he goes, all I know is I don't understand God's ways, but my faith is growing. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it all. I just. I know something's happening because this is what scripture says when we're in that incubator of God's love and we get off of our perspective and we get off of what we see which is just in part and we start to see God's whole heart and we trust him we know this he's doing something that's why James says it's the testing of your faith the same way that Deuteronomy 8 said to test your heart he says it's the testing of your faith and that word testing is proved it means to prove it it's to prove that when trials come and difficulty comes God is still a God of love and of hope and of peace and of goodness and a faithfulness whether things are messed up or things are great it's it's still true about his character amen in other words it's to prove that just because my circumstances don't match with everything going on what I know about God my circumstances don't change who God is I don't go God was good yesterday because everything was great but today I got a speeding ticket God's no good doesn't make sense he's either good or he's not good and so that testing of my heart is to prove him over and over and over again that no matter what, he's good. No matter what I'm walking through. And that's why waiting on the Lord in these tough seasons doesn't mean you've got to put your big boy pants on, right? Doesn't mean you've got to act tough and act like you got it all together and you've got to look the good, good and look, look the part. Sometimes the best waiting is tear-stained books and journals. Bible, just I'm a blubbery mess, right? Sometimes waiting on the Lord is is crawling after God with whatever strength you got left in your bones. Anybody been there? You're just like, God, I got nothing left. He's like, come on. Sometimes that's what it looks like. It looks like whatever I got left, I'm gonna get to you and I'm gonna make it through this incubator of your love for your glory and my good. Paul says it like this, I was imprisoned, I was beaten with rods, I was slandered by my enemies, I was flogged la- with, with lashes five times, I was stoned to death, almost to death, I was deprived of food, water, shelter, and sleep, in danger from rivers, in danger from robbers, in danger from my own people, in danger from Gentiles, in danger of cities, in danger of the wilderness, in danger at sea, in danger of false brothers. This is what he says in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty six. yet always rejoicing. How'd you do it, Paul? I used to see Paul as a guy that was abnormal. This guy's not normal. A- Amen. Amen, Paul, you're not normal. Then I got a chance to meet some people like that young man. And like that dad that I talked with on the phone, I got to meet with some men and women like them and they're braving trials and conflict and they're making it through cancer prognosis and diagnoses in their life and they've made it through betrayal and I've watched marriages that made it through abandonment that have come back together and I've watched God restore all of these things and I watched the joy of Christ come over them and I'm like, we got modern day Pauls all over the place. All over the place, why? Because they received That they were in a season of waiting that was actually an incubator of God's love and he was doing something in them. So where are you at? Are you waiting in this season right now for a move of God? And if you are, let me tell you something. Your waiting is not passive waiting. In this season... Waiting for restoration, waiting for God to move, waiting for God to restore, waiting for God to make sense of it all. In this season of waiting, it's not a passive waiting. In this season, as you're waiting for the Lord, that waiting requires you to trust him. I trust you, God everything, Uh, I trust you, I'm going to press in, and I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt when it all feels like it's falling apart. I trust you, God. No matter what it looks like on the outside, I trust you, God. And not only do I trust you, before I move forward and try to get out of this bubble of love, thanks for that, right? Before I try to get out of this incubator of love, I'm not going to leave until you tell me to leave. I'm not gonna try to crawl my way out. I'm not gonna try to get out of the wilderness and get into the promised land until you deal with my heart. Amen. So we're 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 not we're not passively waiting, we're aggressively waiting. I'm gonna trust you. Ah. We're waiting, we're waiting in this moment, and we're saying, God, you have all the control. I, I think it was Jacob or Jeremiah preached on this last couple of weeks. I'm not gonna be an I'm not gonna be an Abraham and birth Ishmael's when you've told me to birth Isaac's. I'm not going to push my agenda trying to speed this process up. So when I'm waiting on God, I'm telling God he's in control. He's in control. When I'm waiting on the Lord, I'm going to wait on him by doing what he's asked me to do, his work. God, this feels tedious. What do you mean read my Bible again? Change my situation, right? He's like, read it again. Pray this again. Meet again. Go after it again. And then finally, that, that, that waiting isn't passive and that, that waiting actually increases our, our strength. Um, listen, listen to this. We know the Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. That, we love that one. So there is this process of waiting where it goes, hey, when you wait, strength is coming. But more than that, let's just take it New Testament for a minute. He told his disciples, go wait in the upper room. We've said this, 500 people were given the invitation, 120 showed up. That tells you how much people hate waiting. 120 people wait. Here's what he said in Acts 1, and you will be clothed with power from on high. Your strength will come from waiting. They're in there. Can you imagine tediously pressing in, praying, 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 praying. God, praying, praying, praying. And then all of a sudden, strength and power close you from on high and you're never the same again. And had you not gotten that incubator of his love and you gave up on him because the outside world, by the way, was looking for them because they wanted to persecute them. But they decided to wait in that incubator of love and God's strength came over them. (laughs) This is why we cannot try to get out of the incubator until God's done. <clears throat> I 'm not even know where I'm at. Oh, here. <laughs> God, God in this incubation is, is protecting you in ways that you don't expect. I don't understand his ways. I have no idea why he decided that... Underneath the Egyptian persecution for 400 years, it would be better. For, I, I don't know why. All I know is that in that 400 years, when they cried out, they cried out with intensity in their heart, Lord, set us free. But his way is better. So it may be in ways that you don't expect. I know that in that incubator of his love, God is setting the right atmosphere to prepare your heart to receive his promises. And I know that in that incubator of love, God is reminding you that he is all that you need. So... Where, is my is the team in here, band? Can you guys come on up? We're going to sing a song. He's in the waiting. You guys know that song? We don't need it, but I like that song. Because really all we need right now is the Holy Spirit. All we need is the Holy Spirit to come and have his way with our hearts because I know, I've talked with some of you. It's why I was so stirred today to change things up in my heart. I know some of you are in a waiting season and it's a brutal waiting season. I know some of you are in a waiting season and you've got trials and you've got tribulations and you've got boredom with the Lord. I know some of you are in a waiting season and you feel like you don't even know what your purposes are and you're struggling. And so here's what I wanna do. I just wanna open the altar up. And we're just, we've got time, a little bit. We got like three minutes. <laughs> three or four, three or four. That's all we need. Holy Spirit's quit, he knows what to do. Um, we're gonna open the altar up we're gonna we're just gonna if that's you and you're like I'm contending in the waiting I'm contending in the waiting but I'm struggling let's tear off the roof let's get to his feet Lord I see in part you see in whole would you wrap me in your incubator of love because I want to position myself for such a time as this for the promises that are ahead how many guys believe there are promises ahead there are so let's position ourselves for the promise ahead so Father just pray for hearts right now that are waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting. And they're struggling and they're contending. God, if you, if that's somebody out there today and they just need, they need an extra just moment with you, God, we're gonna open the altar up. Have your way with hearts this morning. Those that are struggling, trying to figure it out, seeing in part, need a little dose of your love this morning, Father, we touch hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. We you guys stand? And the altar's open. If you wanna come, we're gonna sing the song and to spend some time with Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's word. We hope that it continues to encourage you and bless you as you go about your day-to-day. And until then, we will see you next Sunday. Have a great week.